What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of Real Chemistry and host of the What to Know podcast show. Today we have two guests, uh, one of which you may recognize in Jim Weiss, who is the CEO and founder of Real Chemistry. The other is Terry Sanders, who is the Senior Vice President of Enterprise Marketing and Communications for HIMSS. The topics that we'll cover today will align closely with some that we've covered in past conversations with both Jim and Terry and Dr. Gita Nayar of Salesforce, for those that remember her uh, from some of our previous events. So we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about background, but really getting into what the pandemic has meant in terms of creating new therapies, formats, platforms during the pandemic, and, and really what that's meant in terms of delivery care to patients. We want to talk about mental health and how that's been impacted, mainly you know, destigmatized in a great way. Both Terry and Jim are uh, strong communicators and marketers, and one of the things that they both have espoused, particularly during the pandemic, is the importance of communications and good communications and how that improves outcomes. Wouldn't be a good conversation without you know talking about machine learning and AI when it comes to digital health and telemedicine, so we'll make sure we cover off on that. And then the last couple of items that we'll follow up on are, is it possible to achieve Amazon and Uber-like levels of service in healthcare, this whole consumerization move? And then lastly, we will drill down a little bit on what is the impact that Operation Warp Speed, the vaccine task force that really brought us vaccines to fight off COVID in unprecedented amounts of time, nine months really for all intents and purposes. And what impact will that have on other disease states or therapies like diabetes and Alzheimer's? So we hope that you strap in and listen in and love the conversation that we're going to have. And with that, we're going to start the show. All right, well, let's start with your backgrounds. Uh, Terry, you received your undergraduate degree in public health from the University of Michigan. Uh, so an exciting NCAA for you just recently. Let's talk about what led you down the path of marketing and communications. You're obviously you know, bridging those two together with the job you do today. But I always love to find out when people you know, choose the health path or the marketing and communications path or both in your case. Yeah, so um, it's really interesting. I always say I have a very non-traditional path, but I think it's really worked out beautifully towards in the end. Um, so I, when I was an undergraduate, um, I was pre-med and I went to graduate school for the for public health with the intent of taking the healthcare, the business of healthcare, and carrying that forward into being a clinician. Um, I had the pleasure of uh, acquiring an amazing mentor while I was at the School of Public Health, Dr. Richard Lichtenstein, and he set me on a totally different new path. Um, and so when I got out of graduate school, I took um, on an, a healthcare executive rotational fellowship. And in that fellowship program, I was lucky enough to be able to spend two rotations within the strategic services and business development area. And, you know, when you're in undergrad, you, know, you might feel like you always have to make, you have to pick a path, the path that you're on, as you just said, Aaron, right? So I had also been a professional cellist for a really long time. Who knew? And, um, yeah. And so when I was in 
undergrad, you know, and I'm on this medical school track, at some point you have to make the decision. And you know, so I was like, okay, I choose science over art. And what I got to see through the School of Public Health and also with these rotations in strategic services and business development was that marketing and communications is a, an amazing function where you can truly um, contribute to the improvement of healthcare while also straddling the world of science and creativity. Um, and I was hooked and um, dedicated, you know, my, the, my path, my career path to marketing communications from that point forward. Well, we're very fortunate for that. So thank you for sharing that story. I learned a little bit of something about you. Yeah. Um, Jim, some of the listeners I know have heard some about the backstory of you and real chemistry, but I would love to hear sort of the abridged version and Terry probably doesn't know some of this, so we can give her a, a similar uh, background on you. Well, you know, it's great to hear Terry's background in more depth. I didn't know that. We're really quite more of a match than we think. I've always felt that this place is that amalgam of art and science. Uh, you know, I'd always felt that I had gone to school for communications, the Newhouse School at Syracuse, so there's a little bit of your NCAA rivalry. I know I've got a mission <laughs> here, so, yeah. um, you know, I know we're not in any similar division or anything like that, but we both fight it out for the March Madness titles yes, over the yes, years. Yes, we do. Anyway, um, but we come from cold, we've survived cold places to go go to school that we both know. So that is very true. Anyway, uh, I came out of that thinking I'm going to be a publicist at that time, you know, for Prince or Madonna or, you know, stuff like that. And because I had done an internship my summer before senior year uh, for a company and I worked on a barium enema product and I always tell people I started at the bottom. And it's really true and worked my way up. And because of that little bit on my resume, when I went to get a job, my first job, that's what they saw. And I ended up in a division that was more medical and healthcare focused. And so I didn't end up going into marketing for, you know, and communications for stars and things like that. Uh, I ended up doing something highly less glamorous because of that background. I ended up working in the, you know, what was still kind of a burgeoning area of health and science communications in the early 90s. And when I found myself out here at Genentech working at what was one of the first biotech companies, uh, you know, that really broke through as a commercial uh, entity and, and mm -hmm. eventually helped many, many cancer patients and eventually many other diseases. Yeah, I realized this was the calling, you know, so to speak, but that you could bring together this idea of communications, helping patients connect with the right therapy at the right time and, you know, help them really figure out how to get that paid for as well. So that is, I think, the full circle of how we came to Real Chemistry over the many years. There's a lot more in between, but for the purposes of the podcast, one of the things I talk about when I talk about Real Chemistry is the pointillist artist, George Surratt. You know, he used to do these little point paintings from 
what was the Impressionist period at a time when society was changing into something more technological, going from art to photography and all those things. And I feel like we're at a very similar point in, in the world. And communicating well is going to separate the ability for those technologies to Absolutely. really break through in a leadership way. And so therefore our role in it is so important. And, you know, I think that same point, you know, that communications is leadership and leadership is communication. So uh, I've absolutely connected with you on that all along. I love that leadership is communications. And that's good because we will, we'll touch on that a little bit more, but I do want to talk, Jim, you brought this up before and it's a common, but really important saying, and I think it became even more important. We were talking about this in our pre-show prep. The necessity is the mother of invention. So which inventions during the pandemic have improved the delivery of care to patients? Obviously vaccines and things like that would be an obvious, but Terry, why don't we start with you on that? Like anything that's really impressed you or stood out working at the organization you do where you get to see a lot of invention? Yeah, um, you know, I'm gonna throw a little spin on myself here also. There's a lot of really amazing um, digital health solutions that really got to shine um, and we got to see their true power in motion and action um, in the pandemic. But I think the most amazing invention was access to those things. Um, and, you know, as you know, and I've talked with Jim about this before, you know, prior to the pandemic, access to digital health solutions, telehealth, consumer devices, wearables, AI, machine learning, um, you know, access to those as part of the care delivery experience was quite limited, but the pandemic left us with no choice. The system really had to adapt and do so very quickly. And we saw clinicians and consumers around the world really rise to the challenge and embrace digital health solutions once they could access those things. You know, and I can't stress enough, again, I know it's been my soapbox for probably about three months, but you know, these are changes that we absolutely need to keep in place and build upon data, information, Digital health needs to be available to everyone and a part of the regular care delivery and management experience, um, you know, whether it's voice, messaging, video visits, uh, that's something that needs to become truly the norm. Yeah, so that's so important. And um, thank you for bringing that up. I think we still have a ways to go, but we have started to make a breakthrough. Jim, how about you? Which inventions have you seen that have really impressed you during the pandemic? Well, you know, I think what I've been saying that are probably, they're still in the works, but, you know, just the scheduling bots mm -hmm. and things that I'm seeing in telemedicine that were starting with the work that we saw happening with One Medical out of the gate. I think I told you I was particularly impressed by their model. Obviously, they ran into some headwinds around uh, vaccine distribution and, and test distribution. But the point being, you know, this ease of ultimate after a couple of months of, of, of clunkiness, you know, this mass vaccination scheduling and what we're finding is, you know, this is probably going to be stuff we can start to do and apply to big disease problems, you know, like diabetes, like... Yes other areas where you could do big population, population health sort of 
you know, studies tracking and, and this matching, right? So you want to match mm-hmm. people who have certain traits up with treatments and programs that can help lower uh, heart disease risk or possibly lower cancer risk by through earlier detection, because now, of course, we can do a lot more too through saliva testing, a very easy way to get, you don't have to draw blood, which freaks people out. So there's a lot of things. That, that's another one that I think we're seeing really cool advancements. Everything from just scheduling to, you know, mass administration and testing. And um, I think also just kind of, like I said, you know, making this more of an Amazon or Google-like experience uh, accessing healthcare. Mm-hmm. And if I could just add one thing to that too, right, is, you know, we saw such a, we saw a lot of issues arise, right, when we couldn't access uh, data, like just general clinical for public health use, um, you know, and now we see, right, vaccine registries being created. We, we are capable of so much more. Well, and it's not insignificant, as you touch on, that it was one thing to create these vaccines and these tests and these treatments in record time. People forget about the logistics of rolling out to 330 million people in the U.S. and 7.4 billion people across the, the world. And they have to also do that in record time to, right, to get to herd immunity. I do want to touch on something, just again, going back to that fascinating session you both did um, with Dr. G at Provoke and Arthi Shaw. Mental health is something that has gotten overlooked and pushed into the corner for so many years. And I'd say there are probably a few silver linings from the pandemic, one of which is my sense is people are starting to take this more seriously and the therapies are starting to advance as a result of that. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, what that means. Jim, I'll start with you on this one. And, you know, what have you seen and what have you heard in terms of destigmatizing and sort of advancing this telemedicine solutions towards helping people with mental health issues? Well, I think when you make it easy, but still private, it's all great, private and confidential. So a lot of companies in order to keep their employee populations productive, engaged, you know, they provided this as part of the everyday experience. Uh, You know, that was a positive. I think there was also the idea that there was strength in numbers. There were a lot of people that were going through this and talking about it. So we saw it with the working mom in particular, you know, that was the group, you know, I think that someone call it today a she, she session. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? That, yeah. that we're seeing you, got, you nailed it. <laughs> I nailed the it. workforce because of the pressures that they were put under to, you know, raise the family, watch the family, teach the family. So it was kind of a, uh, an ironic thing that happened there that you wouldn't have expected. But anyway, I think because that urgency, there's an urgency again, you know, necessity is the mother of invention and you've got to come up with ways to get people to do things. And I think, you know, you couldn't get most of these doctors to bill you electronically or send you an email or download an app, you know, to manage your care. And now of course they are. So we've been talking about the fact that that was sort of that first fashion. So it does begin to open the door to making it less stigmatized because there's fewer barriers. I like that. Terry, how about you? I think Jim nailed it. You know, I think the other example of populations, right, that typically 
you know, there were a lot of stigmas around mental health, talking about mental health uh, would be people of color, um, African-American, and, um, you know, there are, have been typically a lot of stigmas within the community about mental health and seeking uh, behavioral services. So to Jim's point, privacy, right? No one has to know. And also everyone is talking about it. And there was just so much going on in the world as a whole, uh, you know, with everyone quarantining, mental health was so critical. It couldn't be, I think, denied or ignored. And to, you know, to Jim's point, as he said, we saw um, virtual telehealth, mental health services really uptick, uh, you know, in some instances, two to 300 times more than what it had been in 2019. Yeah. And so we hope that trend continues. You both touched on something earlier that I think people overlook, and that is the importance of good and clear communications in the world of healthcare. You both have great backgrounds that have helped support this. But, you know, Jim, even as we've gone through this whole evolution into a digital health innovation company, you continue to hit on and harp on the the importance of that. So Terry, as someone that leads communications as well as marketing at your 100,000 person organization, let's start with you and talk a little bit about why communications is just so critical in today's environment. Communications for, to me, is like the interstitium. Um, We keep people connected. And in in the pandemic, right, we may be some people's only point of connection. And, you know, our sole focus, our purpose is to understand audiences, what is important to them, what they're concerned about, uh, and what moves them, and to be able to meet people where they are. And so, um, you know, I just think, as Jim said, leadership is communications and communications is leadership. And uh, I think the pandemic really reinforced that value. I hope it reinforced the value of that, you know, especially within healthcare. Uh, now is the time more than ever to invest in your marketing and communications resources, the, your staff, um, your technologies, because we cannot be consumer forward. We can't be consumer centric. We can't be sustainable long term if we don't understand or know how to reach our customers. Um, and I think it's just a you know, it sounds simple, right? But that's what we do and that's the value we bring. Um, and in order, I mean, I think for the healthcare of the future, I think communicators absolutely lead the way. Well, we hear about good bedside manner from HCPs, right? And so I love that patient centricity that you speak of, Terry. Yes. Jim, I know, you, like I said, you, you, you talk to us about this all the time and talk to our clients all the time. Tell us a little bit more about you know, why this is such a critically important thing to you and maybe how we've, you know, helped our clients exercise this during one of the hardest times we've ever lived through and hopefully ever have to live through. Well, I mean, I, you know, it's important in any scenario, but in a scenario like this, what your head starts to run away with you. And we're actually at this very moment, probably in the most critical point of it because we are now imagining the world back outside and that's where you can fall down and you know really you know get off the good track of of all the good things we've been doing and that's everybody's been trying to emphasize that you know there's this fatigue of being inside this sort of box if you will we've been probably not really ready yet for this 
transition, you know, it takes time and you need to prepare for it. So communications around it is actually more critical. We have to be getting together more, not assuming anything. I think people assume, okay, well, go ahead to spring break and go ahead and go traveling, but, you know, not really thinking through all the implications. I'll let people back in their offices. They're just not thinking of all the steps and actually right now is a time of more communications will be better than less um just getting the vaccine understanding the variants you know the real truth around it all of that it's exactly what went wrong when we first came in there was a panic absolutely and, a, and an unknown and now there's a bit of an escape panic going out in an unknown and you kind of have to be ready to come out and we need to stop and breathe and figure that out so that it's it's done with less um with less problems yeah and i will say without getting political thank goodness for the current administration who does seem to be much better at communicating at, at a time where we need to be better communicators i do want to talk uh terry i think you touched on this earlier about the importance of machine learning and artificial intelligence as it relates to data and really being able to take all of this data uh, and, and use it. You know, let's talk a little bit about um, how these ML and AI are improving our healthcare outcomes because we have so much of it now and we actually have the power to process it and the tools and the platforms to do something productive with it. Right. So, you know, the goal with data is for that data to become information and to be actionable. And that is the sole purpose, the intent uh, behind AI and machine learning. And, you know, what Jim was mentioning, right, about scheduling apps and things like that, um, those lean into AI and, and machine learning. And we absolutely need um, to be thinking not just about, although we have data, uh, but how does that data then inform us um, and inform the care delivery process as a whole? Uh, those things are powering all the technologies that are really going to be the future of healthcare. So, I, I mean, they're really pushing us forward. And I think the rate of change, the pace of change is just so rapid. And I think it's, it's only going to continue to increase. Um, so we all need to be like, getting comfortable digging in. Um, you know, we, we have seen that clinicians have been um, very receptive, more receptive than former critics anticipated them being um, in the use of those things and, and how they can be a part of the care delivery process along with the clinicians. So I think that they're absolutely, they're, they're really what's sort of driving us into the future. Um, they're absolutely critical. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, Jim, we brought some companies into the fold over the last year, you know, both the technology platforms and simpler soup IPM, but also companies like Discern and Alicia, right, that look at um, outcomes. Talk a little bit about the importance, you know, that you see and why you saw it was so critical to act on these now and how they're helping us and helping our clients. Well, I mean, there's obviously always a rush to advance new therapies and treatments and new technologies but how do we pay for them who pays for them and you know there's a stress and anxiety that we can cause in the system particularly with the patient so for concern with patient centricity and good communications they end up with that damn bill 
you know, with that huge number and then they're calling <laughs> into the phone, you know, who the hell, what is this? Like, right, these crazy hospital bill numbers mm -hmm. and all the things mm -hmm. that end up happening. And so it's really important that the intervention go out, not just, it's not just the pill, it's not just the device, it's not just the technical intervention med tech that you're sending out, it's how does that get paid for and how do you use it for optimal compliance and adherence? And then what does that mean in terms of an outcome? If I were to use it more, maybe there'll be incentives in the system for people to take it more and better and also for people to administer it. So I think in both cases, it should in the long run help the system, you know, get more efficient. Uh, at the end of the day, I think we say, you know, healthcare is one of those few things that's out in the system that isn't as accountable to the customer, mm -hmm. which, you know, like if you bought a car or something else that didn't do what it said it would do, that would be a problem. So I think that's the, the reason I'm so focused on it, that you also have to begin to develop tech and, and intervention with that end in mind and not be thinking about it after the fact and think, oh, well, that's somebody else's problem. You know, we really have to think of the full distribution and payment cycle all the way through. Absolutely. Well, I love that. That's a great segue because, you know, one of the reasons I first got Terry and Dr. G from Salesforce on at our JP Morgan event was we were talking about this Amazon-like experience, right? And one of the things that we've all been taught is Amazon and Uber and, you know, all these great services, Netflix, make everything easy at the touch of our fingers, and I think, Jim, you've just pointed out a bunch that don't really feel very easy. We are seeing progress um, in the system. But, you know, Terry, I'll start with you. Will we ever achieve these uh, types of experiences that we're learning on our non-healthcare side and be able to apply that to healthcare? I think we absolutely will. Um, and we're seeing that, um, you know, with some fully virtual um, healthcare providers popping up now, which is really exciting. Um, the open question is when will the industry as a whole truly make that shift? Uh, but I, I think it's absolutely inevitable. And I think the pandemic improves our chances that that's, you know, within closer to our reach. Um, but what I do know, and I know we talked about this a lot already, but I don't think we can drive it home enough, is that the key to getting there and supporting an experience that is consumer forward in healthcare is marketing and communications. Because at the center of that experience is the consumer, the person. And that is what we do. And um, you know, consumer forward companies like the Amazons, like the Netflix, they understand their customer segments. Um, they understand their targets, those behaviors, the interests, and most importantly, what content uh, really is important to that group um, and they're very technology forward. And so it's time for healthcare to truly follow in the footsteps of the other industries. Um, you know, I think that there is a strong appetite, there's a strong need. And, you know, I think Jim was saying it earlier, um, why is healthcare, you don't know, why is there no pricing transparency, right? I can get a, an EOB and it could say anything. <laughs> um, 
And so we've got to do better, be more transparent. We need to follow, it shouldn't be a black box, um, not for something that's this important and that truly touches every human everywhere. Yeah. And I know that, I mean, I like that, like the black box part is the most frustrating. I work in healthcare and I feel like anytime we get a bill, it's like, what, what, like, what are you charging? (laughs) It is maddening. Jim, I know you've also talked about this appification idea. And I think that's one of the other things is that apps on mobile device, smartphones make things easier. Right. And I know you've talked about, I think your experience with Teladoc, but you know, you've been a big believer in this and you've talked a lot about the I think, you know, part of our thesis is to make life easier for patients to become more patient centric. But tell us a little bit more about your thesis and, you know, what you see happening in the space. And can we get there with our healthcare experiences? Yes, we can. I mean, we've been talking about it on the creative side. When I bought 21 grams, one of the reasons we connected was, can we make healthcare advertising as interesting as selling sneakers? And I don't see why not. I mean, again, why why does it have to be so awful? I mean, it just doesn't. It's, it's like, right? I mean, in all of it can be done. And why does that whole healthcare experience have to be so awful? I mean, you're basically trying to take care of yourself. And when you're thinking about what is the real goal, the real goal is to prevent the event. So what we yes. really need people doing is going in and getting their skin cancer screenings and their their health and wellness screenings and their early detection and all this stuff that, you know, and I think that that stuff can be done through the downloads. It's what the, you know, if you read over the weekend in Barron's, you know, the sort of cancer blood test reality of, of all these companies from Invitae to exact sciences to uh, Grail and on and on, you know, the idea that, and again, when this now becomes something you can do in your saliva you know if you're gonna go to hawaii and spit in a cup and get the test back and i think this will get easier and easier to do companies will realize look this is the biggest consumer product in the world there's nothing more important than your health it's something i've always said so why can't it be treated and distributed and dealt with as a customer and consumer-oriented product. And now you're seeing more folks are coming into it and getting it. And I absolutely believe in a decade, if we could you know, make HIV and cancer generally, some cancers, chronic diseases, we can, we can make this happen. This isn't that hard. Yeah, actually a related question before we get to our final one. And that is, we just went through this thing called Operation Warp Speed. We delivered vaccines what normally would take five to 10 years to develop in nine months. And what impact will this have, Jim, on things like diabetes and Alzheimer's and cancer? You know, can we apply some of these? I think we've touched on the AI and the data and machine learning, but what's your take on that? Well, I think there'll be a challenge. I think they're asking the question today, can we go after these things more aggressively groups in the government like DARPA that have been around a long time to prevent the next pandemic, and companies that have increasingly interesting technology that can bring us further faster. So I believe you probably have seen stories more recently about CRISPR technology, which is the next generation of gene Mm -hmm. editing and 
and all of this sort of work will be the next frontier and, and revolution and evolution. And so things that were normally treated in the past with pills and, you know, that imperfectly were treated that way will now be treated with possibly these other things that, you know, will put an end to it maybe with one shot, right? Or, you know, with a couple of shots. So that, again, I, I sit and ask the question, you know, if you're going to go and fill your lips, right, to feel better, let's go take care of these things to prevent, you know, your heart disease and some of these other things too while you're at it. A little two for one, right? Or a happy meal, a healthcare yeah. happy meal. Well, I think you're going to see more of that. I mean, why did AbbVie buy? Why did AbbVie buy Allergan, right? I mean, yes, there's an aesthetics to their business, but there, I think we're seeing there's an aesthetic feel good, look good, look good, feel good. I mean, who knows? We don't want to be living forever. God help us. But the point is, let's live healthier, longer right? A higher quality of life longer. That's what everyone's... Yeah, feel good while we're doing it. That actually makes a ton of sense. Terry, any final thoughts on that particular? I think he nailed it. Mic drop moment, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's let's wrap up with you with one of the questions I've been asking during the pandemic is to all my guests, you could have one wish. It could be any wish. What would it be and why? It's going to be a little corny, but it is my truly honest answer. Um, my wish would be for all the people of the world to live in peace. Um, and that's because I think if we could get there, that would mean that we all realize that we are truly one community and each one needs the other to thrive. Well, like yeah, there's that. the mic drop. Yeah, yeah, there's the mic drop. Right. <laughs> Jim, how about um, you? I, know I you think it's to see each other. I mean, it, we were just, yep. I'm just coming off this session about, you know, inclusion, diversity. I think it's appreciating each other for what we bring. We're not all supposed to be the same. You know, we're, we're supposed to be different and we're supposed to have differences of opinion and different ideas, but that doesn't mean that can't coexist in the world. And, you know, we can't find certain common ground like food. I keep saying food is the great uniter of us all. And, you know, trying each other's favorite foods is really the way to do it. Um, But, you know, I I can't really think of any other thing that's more important right now than to really see each other and appreciate appreciate each other for what makes the world go round, which is, you know, all of our differences. I love it. I I have a saying, it's uh, thesis antithesis and synthesis, right? And it's that synthesis of all of those ideas that brings us together. Mm -hmm. On that note, we will part ways. I really appreciate both of you taking time out of your busy schedules and informing us. So we've just spent time with Terry Sanders, who is the Senior Vice President of Enterprise Marketing Communications for HIMSS. Uh, Jim Weiss, who is the founder and CEO of now Real Chemistry. Some of you remember it as W2O Group or W2O. Thank you both. And thanks to the listeners for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, Jim. Bye, Aaron. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at w2ogroup.com slash what to know.